Section 10 of Lightfoot the Deer by Thornton W. Burgess. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Jude Summers. Section 10. The Hunting Season Ends. Mr. and Mrs. Quack Are Startled. And The Mystery Is Solved. Chapter 28. The Hunting Season Ends. The very worst things come to an end at last. No matter how bad a thing is, it cannot last forever. So it was with the hunting season for Lightfoot the deer. There came a day when the law protected all deer, a day when the hunters could no longer go searching for Lightfoot. Usually there was great rejoicing among the little people of the green forest and the green meadows when the hunting season ended, and they knew that Lightfoot would be in no more danger until the next hunting season. But this year there was no rejoicing. You see, no one could find Lightfoot. The last scene of him was when he was running for his life with two hounds baying on his trail, and the green forest filled with hunters watching for a chance to shoot him. Sammy Jay had hunted everywhere through the green forest. Blacky the Crow, whose eyes are quite as sharp as those of Sammy Jay, had joined in the search. They had found no trace of Lightfoot. Paddy the Beaver said that for three days Lightfoot had not visited his pond for a drink. Billy Mink, who travels up and down the Laughing Brook, had looked for Lightfoot's footprints in the soft earth along the banks, and had found only old ones. Jumper the Hare had visited Lightfoot's favorite eating places at night, but Lightfoot had not been in any of them. I tell you what it is, said Sammy Jay to Bobby Coon. Something has happened to Lightfoot. Either those hounds caught him and killed him, or he was shot by one of those hunters. The green forest will never be the same without him. I don't think I shall want to come over here very much. There isn't one of all the other people who live in the green forest who would be missed as Lightfoot will be. Bobby Coon nodded. That's true, Sammy said he. Without Lightfoot, the green forest will never be the same. He never harmed anybody. Why those hunters should have been so anxious to kill one so beautiful is something I can't understand. For that matter, I don't understand why they want to kill any of us. If they really needed us for food, it would be a different matter. But they don't. Have you been up in the old pasture and asked Old Man Coyote if he has seen anything of Lightfoot? Sammy nodded. I've been up there twice, said he. Old Man Coyote has been lying very low during the days, but nights he has done a lot of traveling. You know, Old Man Coyote has a mighty good nose, but not once since the day those hounds chased Lightfoot has he found so much as a tiny whiff of Lightfoot's scent. I thought he might have found the place where Lightfoot was killed, but he hasn't, although he has looked for it. Well, the hunting season for Lightfoot is over, but I am afraid it has ended too late. Chapter 29 Mr. and Mrs. Quack Are Startled It was the evening of the day after the closing of the hunting season for Lightfoot the Deer. Jolly round red Mr. Sun had gone to bed behind the purple hills, and the black shadows had crept out across the big river. Mr. and Mrs. Quack were getting their evening meal 
among the brown stalks of the wild rice along the edge of the big river. They took turns in searching for rice grains in the mud. While Mrs. Quack tipped up and seemed to stand on her head as she searched in the mud for rice, Mr. Quack kept watch for possible danger. Then Mrs. Quack took her turn at keeping watch, while Mr. Quack stood on his head and hunted for rice. It was wonderfully quiet and peaceful. There was not even a ripple on the big river. It was so quiet they could hear the barking of a dog at a farmhouse a mile away. They were far enough out from the bank to have nothing to fear from Reddy Fox or Old Man Coyote. So they had nothing to fear from anyone save Hooty the Owl. It was for Hooty that they took turns in watching. It was the hour when Hooty likes best to hunt. By and by they heard Hooty's hunting call. It was far away in the green forest. Then Mr. and Mrs. Quack felt easier, and they talked in low, contented voices. They felt that for a while, at least, there was nothing to fear. Suddenly, a little splash out in the big river caught Mr. Quack's quick ear. As Mrs. Quack brought her head up out of the water, Mr. Quack warned her to keep quiet. Noiselessly, they swam among the brown stalks until they could see out across the big river. There was another little splash out there in the middle. It wasn't the splash made by a fish. It was a splash made by something much bigger than any fish. Presently, they made out a silver line moving towards them from the black shadows. They knew exactly what it meant. It meant that someone was out there in the big river moving towards them. Could it be a boat containing a hunter? With their necks stretched high, Mr. and Mrs. Quack watched. They were ready to take to their strong wings the instant they discovered danger. But they did not want to fly until they were sure that it was danger approaching. They were startled, very much startled. Presently, they made out what looked like a branch of a tree moving over the water towards them. That was queer, very queer. Mr. Quack said so. Mrs. Quack said so. Both were growing more and more suspicious. They couldn't understand it at all, and it is always best to be suspicious of things you cannot understand. Mr. and Mrs. Quack half-lifted their wings to fly. Chapter 30 The Mystery is Solved It was very mysterious. Yes, sir, it was very mysterious. Mr. Quack thought so. Mrs. Quack thought so. There, out in the big river, in the midst of the black shadows, was something which looked like the branch of a tree. But instead of moving down the river, as the branch of a tree would if it were floating, this was coming straight across the river, as if it were swimming. But how could the branch of a tree swim? That was too much for Mr. Quack. It was too much for Mrs. Quack. So they sat perfectly still among the brown stalks of the wild rice along the edge of the big river, and not for a second did they take their eyes from that strange thing moving towards them. They were ready to spring into the air and trust to their swift wings the instant they should detect danger. But they did not want to fly unless they had to. Besides, they were curious. They were very curious indeed. They wanted to know what that mysterious thing moving through the water towards them was. 
So Mr. and Mrs. Quack watched that thing that looked like a swimming branch draw nearer and nearer. And the nearer it drew, the more they were puzzled, and the more curious they felt. If it had been the pond of Paddy the Beaver, instead of the big river, they would have thought it was Paddy swimming with a branch for his winter food pile. But Paddy the Beaver was way back in his own pond, deep in the green forest, and they knew it. So this thing became more and more of a mystery. The nearer it came, the more nervous and anxious they grew, and at the same time, the greater became their curiosity. At last, Mr. Quack felt that not even to gratify his curiosity would it be safe to wait longer. He prepared to spring into the air, knowing that Mrs. Quack would follow him. It was just then that a funny little sound reached him. It was half snort, half cough, as if someone had sniffed some water up their nose. There was something familiar about that sound. Mr. Quack decided to wait a few minutes longer. I'll wait, thought Mr. Quack, until that thing, whatever it is, comes out of those black shadows into the moonlight. Somehow I have a feeling that we are in no danger. So Mr. and Mrs. Quack waited and watched. In a few minutes, the thing that looked like the branch of a tree came out of the black shadows into the moonlight, and then the mystery was solved. It was a mystery no longer. They saw that they had mistaken the antlers of Lightfoot the deer for the branch of a tree. Lightfoot was swimming across the big river on his way back to his home in the green forest. At once, Mr. and Mrs. Quack swam out to meet him and to tell him how glad they were that he was alive and safe. End of section 10